Karan Higdon carries Michigan on his back for much-needed character win. Feinbaum goes off against Harbaugh. And how is that a holding? I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Welcome back, Michigan fans, to week six of the college football season. Michigan escapes barely against Northwestern. We'll go over the team stats as well as individual stats and some M factors of the game. We'll go over Feinbaum running in his mouth again and go over some fan mail. But first, if you have not yet, please go over to iTunes and Google Play to subscribe. It is free. Leave us a nice little five-star ranking. It does help. We really appreciate it. And you can also still listen on SoundCloud. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have been doing that. So thanks again for the support. Again, hope you guys really enjoy this. So let's dive into last week's game against Northwestern. I'm sure uh, most of you were a little freaked out right at the beginning. I know I was. We had a little watch party downtown Jackson again. And Northwestern definitely came to play. They came right out, hit us right in the chin right off the bat. Um, I don't think we were necessarily playing that bad. We were playing kind of flat, you know, those first couple of possessions, but it was very Notre Dame-ish, those first couple of possessions. I'm sure many of you probably thought, oh, here we go again, here we go. I'll be honest with you, I know I did. Northwestern comes out, scores basically on their first three possessions, right? One touchdown, field goal in the first quarter, and then a touchdown to start the second quarter. So it wasn't starting off good for the Wolverines. But let's really uh, dive into the stats here because they weren't that bad in terms of the entire game. Obviously, Michigan pretty much dominated from midway through the second quarter after Northwestern scored that second touchdown to go up 17-0. And to be honest with you, I really didn't have a feeling that Michigan was really in trouble at that point. You know, Northwestern scores early on and Northwestern is not Notre Dame. So in terms of being really nervous and thinking that this was going to be a blowout, I really didn't have that feeling simply because it was Northwestern, not was at Northwestern. And like I mentioned last week, there was easily about 40% of Michigan following in those stands. There was maize and blue peppered throughout that stadium. There were some sections that were solid maize and blue. And it is one of those stadiums that Michigan really kind of takes over. You can definitely tell when Michigan scores or Michigan has a big play, there is definitely a decent loudness to the the roar of the crowd. And it is equal to, if not louder, than Northwestern's crowd. And, you know, that's how Michigan travels. Michigan's always going to be a presence felt at these stadiums, with exception to maybe Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State. But Michigan State, as we know, can't even fill their stadium. They failed to fill it again against Central Michigan as they almost lay a goose egg against the Chippewas. But this is not a Michigan State program, so let's get back to the Michigan game. First downs, Michigan wins 18-15. to That was a pretty close stat. Third down, 7-16 of to Northwestern's 5-13. of Again, pretty even. Fourth down, we did go for it once and got stuffed on a what I thought was a pretty crappy play call. Total yards, 376 to 202. The stat's kind of deceiving considering Northwestern pretty much had their full yardage on their first, what, three possessions? Let's see, they they went 56 yards their first possession, 37 yards their second, and then another 52 their third possession, all of which they scored on. However, you know, you look at that and that's almost, that's almost, that's three quarters of their yardage for the game easily. So more than three quarters, about five sixths of the yard, their total yards for the game. Michigan was pretty much stuffed their first three possessions and they had zero points to show for it. So total yards, 
kind of deceiving. I think Michigan, just like the Notre Dame game, you take away those first couple possessions. Northwestern probably was held to 50 yards, we'll say, in the last three quarters of play. So props to the Michigan defense. Like I mentioned earlier, I really don't think they came out flat. I think the issue is, is Northwestern came out playing like it was their Super Bowl. They could not miss. Thurston was really accurate and his receivers were making plays. Moten was, uh, had some great carries there, but I thought Thorson was, was throwing the ball right, or pardon me, was throwing the ball right on the money and we just couldn't, we had no answer for it. It's not like our DBs were not on these guys like glue. I thought the coverage was fantastic, but Northwestern was definitely making the plays. And like I said, whenever Michigan's coming to town, these teams, Michigan has to expect that they're going to get the A game from whoever their opponent is. Michigan is a big name. It is literally the Super Bowl for a lot of these smaller schools, a lot of the Big Ten schools that aren't necessarily known for their football. When you are Michigan, you have to expect the A game from every team that you play. And that's kind of frustrating as a fan because, you know, you're never going to have a you're never going to have another team's letdown because Michigan's coming to town. And it's, like I said, you got to, as a player, as a coach, and even as a fan, you have to expect that that other team is going to throw out their A game. And for most of these teams, that does not last throughout the whole game. Northwestern was a prime example. Notre Dame was actually a prime example, except for we just, we couldn't put it together in the second half against Notre Dame. We did against Northwestern. As we move on, the passing completions, two attempts, 15 of 24 for Michigan, 16 of 29 for Northwestern. Again, that's pretty evenly matched. Yards per pass, 8.2 for Michigan, 6 for Northwestern. No turnovers for either team, which was pretty solid there. Rushing, here's where Michigan just dominated. 180 yards rushing, and Northwestern only had 28. So excellent job, as I mentioned in the opener, Karan Higdon. Props to you. We'll get into the individual stats and some end factors here in a little bit. Now we move on to the team stat of the game, which was the penalties. Hello, penalties. Welcome back. I mentioned last week they had a great game against Nebraska in terms of penalties. Well, that went by the wayside. It looks like the penalty bug hit the Wolverines again against Northwestern. They cannot continue to do this. 11 penalties over 100 yards, and there was only really one that was suspect. Most of them, I thought they were called well, and only that Karan Higdon holding call was the the, the call that obviously had everyone up in arms and really confused. Uh, Everyone, even the, the announcers to the coaches. The Big Ten actually did come out later this week and state that that was obviously a not the correct call is basically for those of you that didn't see it Shea Patterson faked a handoff to Karan Higdon and has Higdon carried out the fake he was basically tackled as you're supposed to do on defense when someone is carrying out a fake right so no there was no foul play on Northwestern's part but Karan Higdon actually got flagged for a holding call and which it was that was a big play for Michigan so that negated a a first down for the Wolverines and everyone was pretty much just in awe and just majorly confused on that one so the Big Ten like I said did come out and explain that that was the wrong call so good for the Big Ten but if that would have cost Michigan the game we can oh you can only imagine the the uproar and the, the just the the sheer disappointment of losing a game based on one referee call. And I know it happens, and we mentioned this before in earlier episodes, that one day these penalties are going to kill the Wolverines. They cannot have these penalties against good teams. 
Penn State, Ohio State. Boy, what a game that was last Saturday. Michigan State even. You cannot have these penalties. They got to figure it out. Now, I don't think it's, you know, talking with a buddy, a lot of these penalties, I normally attribute them to Michigan and the aggressiveness of the team, the aggressiveness of how Harbaugh coaches. These were not aggressive penalties. These were straight up discipline penalties. You know, the pass interferences, the holdings, the offsides, just the, the stupid penalties that you hate to see. And we're all too familiar with them, especially growing up here in Michigan with uh, being Detroit Lions fans, as I'm sure a lot of you are. Just the stupid penalties always seem to kill our favorite teams, right? And Michigan is no exception. There's no reason for these penalties. They have to figure something out. Like I said, I don't. these were not aggressive penalties. I don't care if they are being aggressive and, you know, laying a hit to someone that may be, that may be flagged, maybe unnecessary roughness. I don't want these undisciplined penalties because those are something you can fix. Those are those are just lack of concentration, maybe lack of a little bit of coaching there. Harbaugh needs to figure out something with this team because that is going to kill them against better teams. It almost did against this team, against Northwestern. These penalties, 100 yards, a full football field worth of penalties they had. And a lot of these penalties were on big plays. I can remember one vividly where Shea Patterson scrambled out of the pocket made a great run, great run, a great athletic run. And sure enough, you see that yellow box in the upper corner of your screen, and you say, oh my goodness, another penalty. And Shea Patterson was basically shaking his head. I don't approve of Shea Patterson shaking his head. That was actually one of my down points to Shea Patterson in this game because I thought he played a great game. The stats don't necessarily say that, but I'll explain that a little later when we go over the individual stats. So these penalties, let's get it down, Michigan. This, this has to change or we are in serious, serious trouble when we get into the meat of our schedule. It's coming up quick, guys. We got Wisconsin next weekend following this Maryland game. And then we got, you know, we got uh, Michigan State, Penn State, and then Ohio State, obviously, at the end of the season. So we got a little bit of a gap there. Nonetheless, got to pick it up, guys. You cannot continue to have these amount of penalties and just stupid penalties at that. So that was my one negative M factor of the game was definitely the penalties. These 11 for 100, 100 yards again. Turnovers, as I mentioned earlier, 0-0. Zero to zero. Great job by Michigan holding onto the ball. Great job by Shea Patterson not turning the ball over. That ratio continues to climb. Even though he did not have a touchdown pass, he still played a great game. Time of possession for Michigan, 34-41 to Northwestern's 25-19. So overall stats. The ones that stick out, obviously the rushing, as I mentioned, 180 to 28, and those penalties. So those are the two stats that I really feel were a major, major part of the game. And Michigan's lucky to come out with it. It was 17 nothing, and Michigan's defense definitely stepped up. And Karan Higdon and Shea Patterson definitely stepped up for the Wolverines later on in the game. So those are your Saturday team stats. Let's move on to the individual stats, and we'll get into a little more critique of the actual players themselves. So let's jump right into the quarterback position, Shea Patterson. Now, 15 of 24, 196 yards, 8.2 yards per completion with a quarterback rating of 78.6. Not great numbers, right folks? But I urge everyone to go watch the highlight films, the highlight posts from this game. You will see Shea Patterson time and time again make a big play, either with his feet or with his arm. That last drive, he single-handedly had, what, three, four big plays 
a couple with his feet, a couple dime passes, and that bullet right down to the goal line, basically. That was a great pass to the tight end. Awesome, awesome pass. I mean, he just zinged it in there, showed his arm strength, and showed his confidence in his receivers. I mentioned it earlier, his receivers, receivers and tight ends and running backs have really been giving them a great showing in terms of their hands, in terms of not dropping the ball. Now we did have that early drop and in the first quarter that, that was disheartening. But at the same time, you know that they're human, they will drop some passes. That was kind of a big one. Shade did put that right in his breadbasket. But nonetheless, the wide receiving core has really done a great job on catching the ball this year. So I've been very impressed with that. And there has been some difficult passes to catch. So great job to the receiving core. But back to Shea, he made some of the biggest plays of the game. Now Higdon was the star, but I will give Shea Patterson the M factor, using his legs to one, escape the rush and not get sacked, and two, gain positive yardage on third down. He escaped a couple of key rushes, got some positive yardage out of it, and made these key and made some key first downs for the Wolverines. And you know, talking with my buddies and stuff, they they were still starting the chant of an they were still starting the chant of McCaffrey, and I even read it on Facebook during the game. A lot of people wanting McCaffrey to come in there. Pump the brakes, guys. You really have to look at how this game actually was playing out because I don't McCaffrey could not have done any better than Shea Patterson did. Shea Patterson led them, led that offense. As I mentioned, I do not approve of his shaking his head against a teammate that committed a holding penalty when he made a good play. I don't like that as a leader. They'll learn again. These these guys are only eighteen to twenty two years old, right? So, however, the rest of the game, how we manage the game, the big plays that he made, I have to give Shea Patterson my M Factor award in terms of the individual player because he just did a great job on leading the team back and really controlling the offense. And again, like I mentioned, go to ESPN, watch some of the highlight reels. Go to you know Big Ten Network. Go and, and maybe some of you guys TVO'd the game. Watch some of the big plays he made on third down, and you'll get what I'm talking about. And it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious that he was one of the MVPs of the game. Now moving on to the other MVP of the game, this one's pretty obvious. Was Karan Higdon put the ball in his hands, and we basically rode him into the end zone. Great job! I'm glad to see that he could carry the brunt of of our uh, carries. He had 30 carries for 115 yards, only 3.8 yards per carry, but two touchdowns when when it was a game where we were having trouble finding the end zone. Karan Higdon did it and stepped up, and congrats to Higdon, the captain. So second M factor goes to Karan Higdon. That's really no surprise, I'm sure, to most of you. He had a great game, the workhorse, and just it was, it was awesome to watch. Uh, he, I think that really developed him. That could be his, his really breakout game. And like I mentioned, in terms of yardage, not the greatest. You know, 30 carries, 115 yards. But it was just the tough yards. That was 115 tough yards that he had to gain. And the two touchdowns were huge. He found a nice hole on both of them and did a little bit of power running. So all around great game by Hignan. Really enjoyed watching him. And I'm glad I got to see him carry the ball 30 times. So, you know, he, could, he took some of the pressure off Patterson. So that's good to see. And that's what your run game is supposed to do. So congrats to Higdon. Great game. And glad to give you the uh, second M factor of the game. Let's see what else we got. We got Michigan receiving. Nico Collins had a solid game, six receptions, 73 yards. Gentry, then Eubanks, the tight ends, uh, three and two receptions, respectively. Donovan Peoples-Jones did not have a great game, only two receptions of 14 yards. 
He did have one carry for 25 yards, so that was good to see. It's actually a pretty exciting run, so good for him on that. But in terms of receiving, nothing major. Like I mentioned, Nico Collins, six receptions. That's pretty solid. The real disappointment was Donovan Peoples-Jones in terms of the receiving department. Now, punt returns had another solid game of returning. He had a nice little 13-yard return there. And I'm a little critical of Peoples-Jones and the receiving core of this game. But let's not forget some of these plays were called back because of those stupid penalties. So it's not entirely on the receivers. And let's face it, we only we carried the ball 42 times total in that game. And we only threw the ball 24 times. So it's not all on the receiving core. So take that for what it's worth. Like I mentioned, there were no turnovers for Michigan. So great job on offense, especially in the last, you know, three and a half parts of the game. They basically dominated the second half and halfway the last half of the second quarter. So despite coming out, and I'm not even, like I said, I'm not even going to say flat. They came out with a couple stupid penalties, and that one drop, I think, really hurt the confidence of the, the offense for a little bit there. But they bounced back, so good job offense. Now let's roll over to the defense, and this is where we won the game. I don't care what anyone says. Let's let's talk about some of these defensive guys because Chase Winovich, the fifth-year senior, comes back, nine tackles, a sack, three for losses. He was an animal. He was a beast. This is why you are glad that he came back, folks. He led the defense by far, easily. He was a beast. He was all over the place. So great job to Winovich. He gets my defensive M factor because he was single-handedly the turning point for the Michigan defense and turning it around there in the the last half of the second quarter and the remainder of the game. So thank you, Chase. We're glad you are back because this shows us exactly why we, we loved you last year and just really happy that you're back. Canal Glasgow rounded out with six tackles. Pay. Pay is slowly becoming one of my favorite players. He had four tackles and two of those were sacks, two big sacks. So Great job by Pay. Metellus, Watson, Long, Rashawn Gary, and Hawkins all ended with three tackles. Now, Rashawn Gary left the game again with a slight injury. They were kind of uncertain earlier this week on whether Gary is going to play against Maryland. Same thing with Evans in regards to the injury report, but we will see. I haven't really heard any other news on whether Rashawn Gary is even going to dress or exactly what the injury is. They're kind of discreet and secretive about it which kind of worries me. Uh, I have no doubt that he will be back in a couple weeks, so maybe this will be a solid game for him to rest. Michigan does come out as a heavy favorite against Maryland, but we were kind of a heavy favorite against Northwestern too, so you can't take any Big Ten team lightly. Maryland did beat Texas, but we'll get into that a little later as we uh, roll through the rest of the stats. No interceptions for the Wolverines. Again, a pretty clean game played by both Michigan and Northwestern. Kick returns, Aubrey Thomas led the squad with a couple of kick returns. He, he did have a solid game, 17.5 yards per return, so good for him. Brad Hawkins had the other kick return. He got 10 yards. Continuing on with the special teams, I already mentioned the punt returns by DPJ. Good job by him there. Quinn Norton is also a major factor in the game. Great job by Quinn. He went two for two on field goals, a 23-yarder and a 24-yarder. Not very long. Nonetheless, points are points, and that really kept us climbing back throughout that third quarter. So those were our only points in the third quarter. We had a total of six, two field goals in the third, and really brought us to within, what, 13, 17. 
to start the fourth quarter. So thanks, Quinn. I'm glad to see that he is, uh, you know, he's doing really solid this year. It's always nice to be able to fall back on a kicker. And he also nailed uh, both uh, both his extra points. So happy to see that. A kicker like that, you know, remember last year he kind of went into a spell where he lost a little bit of confidence. When you are a field goal kicker, the confidence is probably the, the biggest thing that you can, that you have, especially when you are a you're touted as a, a good field goal kicker. You know, Quinn was a five-star recruit. Remember the story of Harbaugh actually having a little sleepover at his house and stuff like that, so that's pretty funny. Nonetheless, Quinn, great job two for two on the field goals. So those are the, the individual stats of the game. The M-Factors go out to, as I mentioned, Shea Patterson, Karan Higdon, and Chase Winovich. Definitely, those are pretty obvious. I don't think anyone has any objections to that, except for maybe the Shea Patterson one. But like I said, go back and watch those highlight films and you will see that uh, Shea played his heart out and really was one of the major players of the game and really had a major effect on the outcome of the game. And overall, the penalties and the rush yards for Michigan as they narrowly escaped 20-17. to 17. But it is a solid character-building performance. Harbaugh said it at the end of the game. He was glad to see how the kids fought. They fought back. They played from behind away. Let's not forget this was still an away game, even though Michigan fans did have a large presence felt at the game. This was still an away game. Anywhere in the Big Ten is tough to play, except for maybe Michigan State because they rarely sell out that stadium. But anywhere else in the Big Ten is is a difficult place to play. So it's great to see a comeback win. This is going to help them later on in the season. They always, these close games, it's good to see, one, the defense step up, and then you put it the ball in the hands of your playmakers, and that's exactly what Michigan did. Shea Patterson, Karan Higdon, the leaders of your team, you got to put the ball in their hand when the game is on the line, and that's exactly what Michigan did. I was glad to see the play calling, and I was glad to see the boys on the defense uh, really step up and basically just shut down Northwestern. You know, like I mentioned, they only had 170-some yards total offense in the game. Just over 160 yards of that was in the first three possessions of the game. So Michigan defense figured it out, and they made the adjustments, and obviously those adjustments worked because they just they just dominated the rest of the game. So those are the takes on the Michigan-Northwestern game. Now let's get into some other news from the week. One was the injury bug. Again, like I mentioned, there's no update on Rashawn Gary or Evans being able to play against Maryland. I'm not even sure if they're going to dress, but we will wait and see on Saturday and Hopefully something comes out here soon on what the actual injuries are and stuff like that, but I have not seen anything. I have not read anything on that. Now, something I did see earlier this week was our SEC buddy, Mr. Paul Feinbaum. Feinbaum was asked on ESPN's first take on who has been the biggest coaching disappointments uh, or the most overrated coaches. I don't understand Feinbaum's hatred towards Jim Harbaugh. I know a lot of people dislike Harbaugh, but Feinbaum on every single negative question that is asked about coaching in the NCAA, Feinbaum always lists Harbaugh as his top disappointment. Feinbaum basically stating, like everyone always does, it's easy to attack Harbaugh on his rivalry record, which we have gone over before, only one win against Michigan State and Ohio State in his tenure here at Michigan. But as we've discussed in earlier episodes, he is very close to having at least a 500 record against Ohio State and Michigan State. The dropped punt against Michigan State, the nasty weather game against Michigan State, the fourth down against Ohio State, and then not having a quarterback last year and throwing a couple key interceptions there. 
Again, he's only a few plays away from being over 500 against his rivals. So pump the brakes, fine bomb. He's our guy. We are not going to we're not going to lose support for Harbaugh just because Feinbaum, who is all of you know, I'm sure many of you have watched Feinbaum and his interviews. He actually has a show. I don't recommend going to watch that because you'll just get all it is is a blessing and a and a bow down to the SEC and ACC. So. Feinbaum definitely has some beef with the the Big Ten. He does not think that the Big Ten is a very solid conference. He may have stated here or there that, you know, given some props to the Big Ten, but about 95% of his talk is all about the SEC and ACC. So don't care much for that and don't care much for his critique on Harbaugh. We are not losing faith in Harbaugh. And he, let's not forget, he has a great shot to beat Michigan State this year. It is at Michigan State. Again, no one cares about that stadium, but we do have to travel to Ohio State. That will be a tough game. I'm sure a lot of you saw the game Saturday night, Ohio State and Penn State. What a great game that was. Really bummed out about the final play call for McSorley. To, I don't know if, whether that was just a rush play or that was the actual called play, but it was kind of that read option to where McSorley pulled it and basically just got destroyed as soon as he pulled the, which looked like it was supposed to be a handoff, but that's a that's a read option for those of you that don't know what the, those plays look like, but that was kind of a bummer. So Penn State ends up going down by one point to Ohio State, but really exciting game, great game. Nonetheless, I think it definitely shows that Ohio State is by far the best team in the Big Ten. I hate to say that. The rankings obviously show that. The coaches and the AP obviously agree as they moved Ohio State up to number three in the country. So that's going to be a tough game. I don't see us winning that game. That could be a loss, but Michigan normally plays Ohio State pretty tough, right? So good luck. But as we keep improving, you never know. This Northwestern game, I don't really view as a setback. I think it's a great character building game. You're going to have these games every once in a while throughout the season. And like I mentioned, these teams will always play Michigan. They will always give Michigan their A game. It's always a Super Bowl for any team that is playing Michigan. And that's not to sound cocky. I know I'm a little biased towards Michigan, obviously, but it's the truth. With the with a name like Michigan, the all-time winningest program in college football history, you cannot tell me that these teams are, you want to beat Michigan. That's the one, I don't care who you are, if you're a rival, if you're a smaller Mac school that gets to play Michigan, you circle that game on your schedule. And I don't care what anyone says, they always bring the A game. So I digress as Michigan continues to improve, except for the penalties. Get rid of those penalties, guys. We'll be okay. That Michigan-Ohio State game is shaping up to be really a killer clash. It'll be for the conference in Columbus at the end of the year on Thanksgiving weekend. So looking forward to it as long as Michigan continues to improve. And we should be heading into Columbus with one loss. So really looking forward to that already. But I don't want to, you know, count my chickens before the egg hatches. So I've got a couple big games before that. Obviously, those Wisconsin game coming up next weekend. Penn State, Michigan State, you know, those are big games. So in, even this Maryland game could be a little closer than what the experts think so i'm sorry i kind of veered off track there back to the fine bomb thing he, that's that's all he ever talks about is what uh what has he actually won and his records against the rivals well you know his record has been pretty solid don't forget his first two years double figure wins and last year he had a little bit of setback but let's face it he could not find an answer at quarterback and you're putting in at best of varsity high school quarterbacks back there and uh, and it just goes to show you what the difference uh, a quarterback makes. So I just can't stay and listen to Feinbaum. He really upsets me. That should be my my annoyance of the week. But unfortunately, Feinbaum really isn't a rival. So we'll get into that uh, that 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 annoyance a little bit later. So moving on, let's get into some 
fan mail. I appreciate all the responses to the question of the week last week, which was let me know your favorite stadium experience or favorite stadium that is not either the big house or the college or high school or whatnot that you actually attended. Uh, and I got some got some great answers via Facebook, via email, via face to face. You know, just conversations with some of some of my buddies and some M Factor fans. My buddy Scotty had a good one, which was Red Rocks Amphitheater, which is out in Denver, Colorado. That is more or less a concert venue, not really an athletic venue, but that wasn't the question, right? Great place. I'd highly recommend. I've, I've, I've been out there. I have not seen a concert there, but I was able to travel out to Denver this past summer. And I'll tell you guys what, this is a beautiful place. I highly recommend going out there, catching a concert, or just going to uh, take a look at it. It's a beautiful view. And really put together nicely. I would have loved to hear the acoustics at this place. So a great answer. Uh, My other buddy, uh, Strunkable, uh, stated a couple of NASCAR stadiums, you know, Bristol, Dover, uh, which is where uh, the NASCAR series is at this weekend, actually. I had a buddy mention Wimbledon. That's a great choice. I think that would be amazing to go see. I had a buddy mention the soccer stadium down in Brazil, which would be insane. I had another buddy also mention another stadium, Manchester United plays. That would be pretty insane. And one of the more unique ones was the Masters down at Augusta. That would be pretty sick. That would be awesome to go see an event. Obviously the Masters, but but those are some of the more rare ones that you don't really hear about or that people don't really think of right off the bat. And then you get into some of the more popular ones. Of course, the legendary Wrigley Field in Chicago. I've seen a couple games there. That's a really good one. So great, uh, great responses again. Thanks for the uh, interaction and stuff like that, guys. I really appreciate it. The M Factor really appreciates it because it just shows that we are an interactive podcast. So I really want you guys to get involved. So anytime I post these questions, anytime I uh, ask these questions on the air, just feel free to write back again via Facebook, email, or simply text me. If you see me out and about, we can chat about it. I got no problems there. And speaking of out and about, uh, you may have uh, read this on Facebook. Uh, the reason for the delay on this podcast is the M Factor has switched studios. We have moved downtown. We got a nice little penthouse suite, basically, that overlooks none other than Michigan Avenue. So you will see a nice little uh, highlighted sign here in the near future sticking out the window of the M Factor, nice little highlighted sign stating the M Factor. So if you're ever downtown Jackson, take a look for that sign, and that's that's where we're uh, we're located now. So uh, really excited about that. So I had to get everything set up. It took a little bit, so I apologize for not posting this podcast Thursday night as, as usual. Hopefully you guys still tune in. We will be back on schedule next Thursday. So that's just a little side note and reason for the delay. But the the, the question this week is, we were speaking about Feinbaum, and that kind of leads me into the question of the week. Now, Feinbaum really isn't an announcer, but I would like to hear your guys' least favorite, I don't want to say hated because that's kind of too harsh of a word, but your guys' least favorite sports announcer on TV. This can be NCAA basketball, football, NFL, football, MLB baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter. I want to hear your least favorite announcer for any sporting event. 
Now I'm going to go into mine and most of you, and I know a lot of my friends already know who I'm going to say, and that would be our buddy Dan Dakich. I cannot stand him. And of course, because of his son, and because his son went to Michigan, played, uh, played basketball at the University of Michigan, he would always announce the Michigan games. And he has to be the most biased person against Michigan that I have ever heard. Michigan could do no right. And his son played for the darn team. I don't know if whether he had hatred for Beeline, which I don't know how you can, but he, every single possession, he would have something negative to say against Michigan. I can't stand when he announces a game. I almost put the games on mute and just listen to the radio while I watch the game because I just can't stand his negativity towards Michigan. And I really, it, it's, it's unwarranted negativity. I have no idea why he, why he decides to just, I don't know if whether he has to be overly biased towards the negative just because his son plays. I remember back in 97, you know, Bob Greasy, uh, Brian Greasy's dad pretty much announced every uh, every Michigan game with Keith Jackson that year because he wanted to watch his son. Now I know uh, ABC, if you guys ever watched that documentary on that season, ABC was a little uh, a little cautious on letting on letting Bob do his, his son's games, but I thought Bob did a great job. You know, he was unbiased, he was professional, great announcer, and obviously he did it with the legendary Keith Jackson, which speaking of favorite announcers that Keith Jackson takes the cake on that one really miss Keith but nonetheless Dan Dakich is by far my most or my least favorite announcer so let me know your guys is I'm really curious uh, if you guys agree with me or if you guys have someone else that I might be forgetting I'm sure there are some announcers that I might like and you guys probably really, really despise, but let me know. Again, write those on Facebook, text me, talk to me out and about. I'm really looking forward to your guys' answers and we will go over them on next week's show. Now, let's move on to this week's game against the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland comes in 3-1. and one. Like I mentioned earlier, had that huge win against Texas, but a very poor loss against Temple. So they do come in unranked. Michigan comes in as a 17.5 favorite. That's the spread. Anyway, the over-under at 47.5. So they're, they're, they're thinking not a lot of points are going to be scored in this game. Michigan with an 88.9% chance of winning, according to ESPN. And this game will be at noon on ABC. So this Saturday, it'll be a noon game, so an early game. Michigan normally plays pretty well on noon games. Michigan will come in at 4-1, 2-0 in the conference. Maryland is 1-0 in the conference. My picks for this game is Michigan does cover the spread. I think they double the spread, actually. I do not think Maryland is very good. I've watched a couple uh, couple plays here and there of their game. I watched the Texas game, and they did. I just don't. I think Texas is kind of overrated. So I, I think Michigan almost doubles the spread. I'm going with a 42-17 to win this Saturday for the Wolverines. I think Michigan just kind of had a little letdown game last week, but I th- I really think it it showed their their true character their knit and grit on being able to play from behind and come back for the win. So I don't see that happening this Saturday against Maryland. I see them coming right out of the gate strong. It is homecoming. The fact that Evans and Gary might be out that could play a, a minor factor, but I think Michigan just reloads on that defensive line. And obviously we still have Higdon and Big True Wilson to carry the uh, carry the rock for us. So. The injuries, not a huge concern for me anyway. Like I said, I, I think Michigan rolls rather easily. We are having a 
a watch party here in downtown Jackson. It'll actually be at the new studios of the M Factor. So we'll be watching it. Let me know your guys' thoughts on the game and your predictions, and we'll go over them next week. Like I said, hopefully Michigan comes out and just destroys Maryland. We don't have to bite our nails throughout the whole game and just sit there and rock back and forth in nervousness uh, watching this game. So go blue. Uh, I think they I think they roll this weekend pretty pretty easily. So now, without further ado, let's get into this week's Rival Annoyance. This week, again, comes courtesy of our favorite, favorite Michigan State Spartan fans, actually. I had a very, very annoying discussion with one of them this past weekend, to which they stated that Michigan State has put out much better pro quarterbacks than Michigan has in, first off, that's ridiculous. I couldn't believe my ears. His argument was, I think it was maybe, what, three years ago or whatever, when Michigan State had three starting quarterbacks on one Sunday in the NFL. Well, <laughs> what were those three? Let's see, it was Hoyer, Cousins, and I can't even remember the third one. And that's how insignificant it was. But to think that Michigan State has put out more or better pro quarterbacks is just absurd. Let's see for Michigan, starting at least since I've been alive anyway, Elvis Gerback had a decent NFL career. Who else do we have? Collins. Uh, Collins played a little bit uh, in the pros. Brian Greasy obviously started for Denver for a long time, had a decent career. I know some of my Denver friends probably won't agree with that, but had a better career than most of the Michigan State quarterbacks uh, besides maybe Cousins. I think Cousins is the only one that actually is worth a darn, and I think he is severely overrated. I'm really bummed that he had to go to the Vikings because I actually don't mind the Vikings. I know my cousin Steve is probably pretty happy about grabbing Cousins, but I'm not sure his opinion on him. Uh, my cousin Steve's a diehard Vikings fan. But we move on to, uh, let's see, uh, we'll we'll skip John Navarre because he sucked. He, he had, what, five interceptions against the Lions with the Cardinals, so that pretty much ended his pro career. And that's not surprising considering it's John Navarre. So, well done, Navarre. You never cease to disappoint me. But moving on, there was Drew Henson. Drew Henson actually played as backup for most of his career. Many of you probably know or remember he had that $2 million signing bonus with the New York Yankees. So he tried his tried his hat at the old baseball game, but couldn't quite grasp the wooden bats. So that kind of went down by the wayside quickly. And then he joined the NFL and yeah, basically it was just a backup for most of his career, but still, still decent, still was, still made the rosters as second string and stuff like that. But continuing, Chad Henney still is in the league as a backup. He's been a solid backup. You know, he started for Jacksonville a couple of those years, but he's been a solid backup. So I can't really, you know, I don't have anything negative to say about the Chad. Let's see, who am I forgetting? Um, well, let's see, Denard Robinson actually played not as a quarterback, but a decent kind of fifth receiver, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, flex receiver for Jacksonville. Um, let's see, I still think I'm forgetting someone. And I know Michigan State fans are going to be like, ooh, you guys always hang your head on him, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's see, I think uh, his name's Tom Brady. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. I didn't even have to mention him to this guy because he knew instantly I was going to go to Tom Brady and stuff. but. Who else are you supposed to go to? I mean, you can't go to anyone besides the GOAT. I have no idea why. One of the, if not the best quarterback of all time, how are you not supposed to compare every other quarterback to him? So the topic of the discussion was ridiculous, but the discussion itself was I can't use Tom Brady as a Michigan quarterback. That was more annoying than, than the actual statement itself of Michigan State having better quarterbacks in the NFL the past couple decades. So just I'm still annoyed by the actual statement that I couldn't use Tom Brady as a, as a comparison. 
So that was more of an annoyance than the actual statement itself. So just just shut your mouth and and don't sound stupid. But I know that's pretty difficult for most of you Sparty fans to do. So go Blue, go Tom Brady. I will use him every day in an argument when you are talking about NFL quarterbacks as we are legally able to do because he is a Michigan quarterback or was a Michigan quarterback. So whatever, that is my rival weekly annoyance. And that will bring an end to episode six of The M Factor. For those of you going to the game this weekend, travel safe, party hard. For those of you watching the game, again, it'll be on ABC at noon. So go blue. Thanks again to everyone for listening to The M Factor. Again, if you have not subscribed on iTunes or Google Play, please go over and do that quickly. Just type in The M Factor in your search box and it'll pop right up. You'll see that beautiful block M. Go ahead and subscribe. It is free, like I mentioned. Give us a little five-star rating. That really helps, and we really appreciate it. Or continue to listen on SoundCloud. We are we are approaching a very high number of plays, and I'm really, I'm really excited about that. So maybe we'll have a little party at the end of the season if we reach a certain number of plays. So our, our target is over a 1,000 plays. So keep it up. I really appreciate it, fans. Again, I cannot express enough the uh, gratitude that I have for my friends, family, and even you uh, random listeners that uh, enjoy the show. It's been fun so far this season. Uh, I apologize again for missing the Thursday night posting of this, but again, we had to move studios. I'm going to post a couple pictures of the view. It's just fantastic up here. Hopefully the sound is okay for you guys. So hopefully everyone has a good weekend. I'll be back here for episode seven, hopefully after a Michigan win. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. <laughs>